Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we talk about curiosity, fascination, and what makes us all delightfully nerdy. I'm your host for the day, Joy Bork. Prepare yourself for a delightful surprise. You may have read the title and been like, okay, Joy, glues and adhesives. Mm-hmm, sure. But for reals, y'all, this episode makes my heart so happy, and I'm pretty sure I couldn't stop smiling for most of the interview. I was enraptured, and I hope you will be too. So without further ado, here's James Doreen to teach us all about glues and adhesives. I'm James Doreen. I uh, spent most of my career in animation doing digital work, digital artwork. Went to college at the Art Institute of Colorado for media arts and animation. Spent about three years in Colorado working at a video game studio called Idle Minds at the time. And then I moved out here to Dallas, Texas 11 years ago to work at a feature film animation studio. So I've spent a good portion of my time doing a lot of digital artwork. That's amazing. That's a really cool niche. What's your flavor of nerd you want to talk about today? I'd like to talk about glues and adhesives in general. I am so excited about this. Okay, set the stage. When you say glue, I think like Elmer's glue in the stick where you roll it up and smear it on. Like what kind of glues are you talking about? What's the range? Yeah, so in, in anything from your CA glues, your cyanoacrylate, uh, super glue, crazy glue, all those kind of typical ones. Urethane glues like um, Gorilla Glue, spray adhesives, things that you wouldn't traditionally think of as a glue, but it's like a weld bonding system, so it's not actually gluing in itself. I am by no means an expert in the field, so I'm probably a lot of what I'm telling you is just going to be flat out wrong. But Part of the sinister side of me wants to see how wrong I can be with confidence. Can I get somebody <laughs> to glue their head, their hand to their head? Maybe. Okay. So let's back up just a little bit. You just used a lot of big words. How did you start? Where was the origin of your fascination with glue and adhesives? Yeah. So it really came from, like I said, it's spent by and large the most portion of my career in digital artwork. I had gone to the Art Institute and we do, uh, did a fair bit of traditional artwork, working with acrylics and painting and the various nature of that stuff, kind of construction problems where you do a little bit of model making. So I, I enjoyed that. But then my career is dedicated towards working with the computer. And in the last three or four years or so, I started yearning to work physically, getting some like physical medium out of it because digitally it's I, I love it. It's infinitely editable. But there's something about actually being able to hold an object. And so the gateway drug for me into the glue domain was getting into 3D printing. And that's Ooh. where it kind of like fixated on, oh, I am fascinated by being able to do this well. Interesting. Okay. So how do you use glue in 3D printing? So 3D printing was an interesting journey. It was something where... For the longest time, I dismissed it as being something I was even interested in. Uh, I was, of course, very interested in it. It was, it was a technology that I kind of started coming into the personal space or like consumer level. While mm -hmm. I was in college, they were starting to have maker bots. And I was like, oh, that's neat. But I just couldn't see myself doing it enough to afford the expense of it. At that time, it was far more expensive. So then fast forward 10 years down the, the road, I'm... Um, looking at it again and reevaluating. And I had this mental shift. Like when I thought about 3D printing, I thought about it in terms of like model making. It was very appealing to me. I could make digital artwork, print it out and then have a physical copy of mm -hmm. it. That's neat. 
but still along the lines of my artwork, I don't see myself doing that more than maybe once or twice a year. So I dabbled in with ordering a 3D print. I designed something and had it made. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. But really what shifted kind of uh, something clicked in my brain when I started playing around with electronics, like DIY electronics. That's another Mm -hmm. topic that is kind of uh, very much in line with why I'm interested in material science in general. And so with electronics, I started having this need to make little enclosures and so I made, designed a few of those. And that, that was the unlocking moment in my head for, hey, I want to get into 3D printing because now this is something I'm going to be doing more than once or twice a year. I can see myself doing this several times a month. And now it's turned into a once a week type thing where I turn on the 3D printer and have it kick something out for me. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really neat how like... Honestly, when you get into it, it opens up something in your brain where you, you start looking at the world very differently. I, everybody orders stuff off Amazon. I've had experiences where I'm about to click a purchase, send it to my door, and then I think, you know what, I could probably 3D print that. And so <laughs> rather than waiting the two days for Amazon to you know lethargically get, get it to me when they're good and uh-huh. ready, I sit there and I think the thing, I draw the thing, I print the thing, and then I have the thing. And most things that I want to print honestly take a half hour to design and model up in the computer, hit the print button. It takes two or three hours, depending on how large it is. And then like you have a physical object. What are we talking about here? So, I mean, anything, one of my first big projects was I made a, this little, I, I made a replica, a miniature replica of a casita travel trailer. So a a camping trailer that my parents use. And so this was like my introduction to 3D printing where I wanted to see how far I could push myself. And then on kind of the other, uh, the end end of the scale, again, like electronics closures, but even the simple things. So specifically, like when I'm saying I'm swapping out for a thing that I would have otherwise printed, just like I've got a pegboard for my workshop back here. And so there's all those little clips and you can buy a little, bins of those but then I, right. I got to thinking oh it'd be nice to have a little custom one that holds up my tool just designed for that <laughs> and that's the other realm of 3d printing is like when i'm thinking about what do i want to print is it cheaper to just buy it and uh, by and large there, mm-hmm. i see a lot of designs out there where i see other people designing things and they're like excited to get into 3d printing oh i made a phone case and i'm like that's cool but phone cases are so cheap just buy one right and so right. so no no shade to that community i think that's really cool just uh like that experience of it but to me it's like that point of diminishing returns where i'm like oh, okay this is something that i can make that they just don't sell like i made these little holders for my camera batteries because i couldn't find a satisfactory camera battery holder so i 3d printed that that's right? amazing and one of the things that so segueing into why uh, one of the things that you learn very quickly with 3D printing is it's awesome for prototyping, but you become conscious of how you design a 3D print to hold up if you want to use it in daily use. Mm. And so there's there's a big kind of wealth into that topic of taking deep dives of, oh, well, there's multiple types of plastics that you can print with. The typical one that everyone starts with is PLA, polylactic acid. And that you start off with because it's very easy to print it and get successful prints. One of the um, kind of experiments or, you know, practices of varying degrees of disappointment with 3D printing (laughs) is that's a big part of it is you have a design, you print it out, doesn't work quite like you thought it did. So you have to go and make edits and change 
the design. There, there's a whole, I mean, that's a big topic in itself. So I'll try not to go too deep into it, but <laughs> it does very closely relate. Uh, oh, I started changing the way that I design things so that I could glue them together because often it's printing it layer by layer. It's a guy, mm-hmm. a little nozzle head for those that aren't familiar with. And it's basically like a hot glue gun that kind of lay, lays down one layer at a time. And you, you end up with a anisotropic adhesion or like structural strength. And so it tends to be the 3D print is stronger in one dr- orientation than it is in another. Hmm. So you have this goal when you're 3D printing. I, w- I want w- to hit the button, have it printed, pull it off as a finished product. And I quickly found that's not the best way to design things. Usually you want to make assemblies. You want to like print multiple pieces and put them together because then you can leverage, oh, I can print this piece in this orientation, print this piece in this orientation, stick them together, and then have kind of the best of both worlds in putting it together. So with with that comes to the, the question of, oh, okay, what kind of glue do I use? And everybody, and I did the same thing and I reached for the first thing that everybody thinks of, super glue. It's fast, easy, it's pretty good, but it's not necessarily the best for all use cases. And it it is pretty good with 3D printing, depending on the type of plastic. So with PLA, it's it's, uh, totally sufficient for most stuff. And one of the things that with PLA is it has a low melting temperature. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't work great for having an item that you want in your car in the hot sun in Dallas, Texas. It'll start softening and warping. So I started exploring (laughs) with the different types of filaments. And that that was a fun um, exploration into material science for me. Again, I want to stress the point that I went to art college. So when I start throwing <laughs> around terms like, okay, ABS, that's acrylonitrite, butadiene, and styrene, I started picking up on the polymer names, not because you really need to, but I just found it fascinating. And I found it's been helpful because it's shown me, oh, this this polymer is related to that polymer. Mm. So I start making judgment calls on, oh, this is a good one to use. And then what I found is by knowing that I can do better research on, oh, this is a good glue to use for that. That's amazing. So then how <laughs> does glue interact with polymers? So w- with any glue, you kind of want to look at the the substrates that your glue, a substrate is just like the two surfaces that you're adhering to. And the hardest part for this conversation is not taking too many offshooting tangents. So <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to nerd out about. Th- there really is. I mean, like in, in 3D printing, like one of the first things that you learn is it's hard to make the 3D print stick to the bed that you're printing on. Mm. So you use a um, Elmer's glue to prep the, the build surface so that the, the plastic will stick to that and not lift off. And you use Elmer's because it's a crappy glue and that it will hold it during the print, but then you can easily pry it off. And it builds this, this tackiness. And Elmer's glue, to, to my understanding, is a polyvinyl acid, a PVA glue. And that, that's one of the things I started realizing is, oh, PVA glue. And you look at the ingredients to other glues. Is, oh, what's a wood glue? Oh, turns out to be a PVA glue. So Elmer's that you use for construction, all your craft school projects, basically the same thing that you're using for wood glue, just a little bit of a dis- different consistency. That's so interesting. And usually glue kind of works in two two fashions. It'll either be a two-part epoxy where you're actually taking two elements of a glue. You've got two little containers and you mix them together. You get an exothermic reaction. Most glues that you have are in the container in a solvent or in a state where they 
they haven't been activated. So with like CA glue, cyanoacrylate, super glue, crazy glue, those are activated by the air moisture. And I might even be wrong. It might even be like carbon dioxide. Because I know one of the tricks with super glue is if you breathe on it, carbon dioxide from your breath will kick it a little faster. So to answer your specific question of like what types of glues work with polymers, one of the ones that threw me for a loop was I got into the stage of 3D printing. You go with PLA, then you go to ABS, and then you realize, oh, ABS is hard to print and get clean designs with. So then you, everybody moves on to PETG. And PETG is polyethylene terephthalate with a glycol modifier. <laughs> <laughs> Say that one more time, a little slower. Polyethylene terephthalate. So PET, and that's a plastic that everybody is very familiar with because that's like plastic bottles, same plastic for like grocery bags. I think it's one of the top two or three plastics that are that are produced because they're so versatile. Uh, PET is also a formulation of a polyester. And polyester, your clothes are made of it. Carpets made of it, camping gear is made of it. So we're all very familiar with it, but it's also really hard to glue to. So that was something where I was like, okay, let, let's see what's the best way of doing this. And that's when I started learning about like glue accessories. So it's not just using the glue, but a lot of times you want to use a activator or in this case, a solvent. So I found with like PET, Loctite produces this uh, glue. It's, it comes, it's a little super glue bottle, but it also comes with this activator pin that you rub on your plastic like a magic marker, wait a couple of seconds, and then the glue works fantastically. Like, you're not going to get that thing to separate. This curiosity is built over the years because as I'm building, uh, like I said, building things is uh, one of the things I love about it is it's an exercise in frustration. Mm. And I love that like when I'm building things and it goes wrong, I know exactly why it went wrong. I look mm. at it and I said, that was my boneheaded mistake. I broke that. That is something I can learn from. Whereas in the digital world, I, not only do I do art in my daily job, but I also do a lot of computer science. Like I do a lot of programming for making that art move. And so one of the frustrations as a software engineer developer is half the time when something breaks, you have no idea why. I mean, mm. it takes two or three days to get into it. And then even sometimes a lot more often than not, when you fix it, you're almost thinking, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what it is that I did that fixed it, but now it's working. Yeah. And then you learn to move on. And that's like my daily career. So like you have that pent up frustration. But when you build something and you whack it with a hammer just right or just wrong and it explodes, you go, hey, I know what to swear at. This went wrong. <laughs> Let's try this again. <laughs> oh, that's such a good illustration, though. And that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, so I really love like building things. And usually I, I have several major projects throughout the year. And but one of the ones I did recently was I built a motorized camera slider and building an enclosure for that. And um, so I, that's where I figured out this plastic bonding system to get that to work together. But then there's other portions of it where like I wanted to construct some of it as out of wood and wood glue is phenomenal, but I didn't have any hand. So then I reached for my Gorilla Glue. That's one of my favorites. Gorilla Glue is a urethane based one. And that so one big tip like across the board with all the glues and even specifically for anybody that's listening to me for advice, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Read the label on the glue, <laughs> because usually it tells you exactly cure time and like ideal situation for you to glue. And a lot of people's frustration with glue's not working comes from the fact that they didn't let it set. So they're like, mm. oh, super glue is not very strong or uh, Gorilla Glue is not very strong. Yeah, because they glued it together. They let it dry and then they stress tested it where 
most zoos want you to wait 48, 72 hours before they actually right. have full adhesion. And what I love, <laughs> so this, this is the level of nerd. Gorilla Glue has a fantastic YouTube channel that I'm subscribed to. <laughs> and yeah that, that's the other fun thing about like this time and building for like the diy maker is there's so many good youtube channels that have like tips and tricks and so you pick up on that the gorilla glue specifically it's one where like they even have this nice little jingle where you've got a you've got to damp it you got to glue it and you got to clamp it so like whenever i'm working with gorilla glue i'm like you gotta damp it glue it clamp it and so that that process is usually you take like a wet sponge you, you damp the surface, you put, apply the Gorilla Glue, and then you clamp it. And the reason that you want to clamp it is because it's actually an expanding glue. Mo most glues tend to constrict and get tighter like wood glue. It like gets into the wood grain and then pulls itself together, whereas Gorilla Glue is actually going to expand. And so if you don't clamp it, then you're basically allowing it to push apart the pieces that you're um, gluing. So that that's one where like you read that little label and you realize, oh, okay, if I do this right, it's even it's like one of the best glues. It's like one of my favorite all around glues because oh, the urethane, it's waterproof. It's rigid, but at the same time has a little flexibility and give to it. So, yeah, highly recommend actually like doing a little research, watching a few YouTube videos. So, like people that I recommend, of course, are um, Adam Savage on his tested channel. You've got mm. Jimmy DeResta, all, all these fun uh, makers where you pick up all these little tips and tricks. And that's where I thought you find out like, Oh, okay. With um, super glue, there's an activator. There's, I think Bob Smith Industries makes this little spray that smells wonderful. You spray it, so you you super glue, then you spray it, and then that spray kicks the activation, so you don't have to you don't have to wait that ten seconds. It could be almost like two or three seconds that you have to wait. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of like <laughs> tangential things that are related to glue, like uh, like with with super glue, it's got a lot of working tips and tricks, like baking powder is another activator so you can use the spray which is really nice because it leaves a little residue that you can just wipe off but one of my favorite things to do with super glue is a little baking powder because i guess sodium bicarbonate in it will kick off the uh, the reaction and it's super great with like 3d printing because a lot of times what happens with 3d prints is like something will clog up in the nozzle and so you'll get these little blemishes on your 3d print oh i want to fill that in i want to paint this i don't want this big hole in it so you can uh, throw in some super glue and then put a, a sprinkle on a little your fairy dust of baking powder. And that will actually do some like gap filling because super glue what? is horrible. I mean, it's like liquid that kind of like runs everywhere. You can get it in gel forms, but I found that baking powder, it kicks it. It gives you a little surface and you can sand it away. You'd never know that there was ever a hole. That's magical. Yeah. Tell yeah. me more. <laughs> what else have you learned? I, I love this so much. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it a fun thing? There's this whole like world and universe and I've spent so much time on YouTube and Wikipedia and taking these deep dives. And another one of the glues that is in every maker's toolkit is working with hot glue guns, right? Mm. And a lot of people have good experiences. A lot more people have bad experiences with hot glue because they're like, ah, oh, it just never holds up. Right. And that's one of the things I love about it is because I think of the standard hot glue as a temporary solution. Mm. It's something that I want to hold for just a little while, and then I want to be able to pry it off there. I use it almost more of a, uh, as a clamping mechanism. Mm. And when I took a little bit of a dive into hot glues, I realized, oh, okay, well, one, in the industry, they call it hot melt. It's not hot Ooh. glue. It's hot melt. You're melting stuff. And you have a whole range of things that you can melt. It doesn't have to be the typical glue stick uh, 
I think the two more common glue sticks that you find are low temperature and high temperature. And those are just slightly different formulations of EVA glues. So ethylene vinyl acetate, which I believe is the same polymer that's used for a lot of impact foam. So like when you get those square tiles at like a hardware store that are like puzzles that you lay down in your shop or exercise mats, that's an EVA. So it's just like an aerated hot glue that you can use. But like I said, you can melt a lot more. And so I found like businesses that will sell a whole range and you can get hot melt glues for working specifically with woodworking. One of my favorites is a a nylon based hot glue because I like 3D printing nylons. And so that's a polyamid. PA66 is what a lot of like industrial power tools are made with. With Nylon is a plastic that's very resilient, durable. It has a little bit of a ductility to it, so it doesn't shatter. So like when you drop your power tool off of a second story floor, it's not going to explode into pieces. Do you know Um, that from experience? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. So when I found out that you could get different formulations of hot glues, I realized, oh, okay, some of these are for more permanent installations. And I love them because of working with them. But I still like that traditional EVA hot glue because one of the things I've used that most recently for was molding and casting. So (laughs) that's another tangent I could really take another deep dive off of, but has been supported by my glue fascination was after 3D printing that I got involved with a couple of projects where I wanted to go beyond that 3D printing. Often you think of 3D printing, I mean, as a hobbyist, you're like, oh, this is a cool end result. You're building little tinker toys. But if you need something to be like more structurally sound or more of a finished piece, then 3D printing is really middleman where you use that to get to a, a prototyping phase. Then you'll go into like molding and casting where you make a mold of your 3D print with a silicone. And then you can cast it into like your using urethane resins, which gives you a lot more strength and a lot more options as far as durability and qualities of qualities of the plastic. So specifically with the hot glue, I was making molding boxes with foam core boards. That's one of the kind of tricks I had watched on YouTube because with molding, the, the silicon that you use is just pure gold like you don't want to spill it because it's exp- it's expensive in the terms of i can't believe this hunk of rubber in fact this <laughs> silicone uh, right here this by weight is more expensive than like most materials that you interact with so that's you don't crazy. want it to go everywhere that's why you end up in wanting to build a custom mold box that just fits uh, you know the size and dimensions of what you're making a cast for well hot glue is an excellent solution for being able to quickly structurally build with foam core, build that up. And one of the tips I've got for hot glue is it's great to have a can of compressed air nearby mm-hmm. because if you turn that upside down, everybody knows turn it upside down, it sprays mm-hmm. out the, the propellant, which is very cold. And so you can lay down a bead of hot glue, turn it upside down and uh, the compressed air, spray that down, and then it'll actually make the um, hot glue cool off far quicker. So your work time is a lot easier to work with. So you're not having to hold things at an awkward angle for dozens of minutes this is so cool do you realize how cool this is <laughs> it, it's surprised me how often it's come up in um, conversation i mean obviously i work in a creative industry so i talk with coworkers who are very fascinated by this stuff and i've become known as the guy at work as oh if you want to know like a little bit about material science go ask him and he'll have like an answer of which which plastic you want to print with what's the best glue become known in the family as like, oh what glue should i use for this and that's amazing 
that that's a fun thing. I mean, often it's like for me, it's a lot of experimentation and research, but a lot of people don't want to do that. And so like by learn and more often than not, you can almost use them interchangeably like 3D printing plastics in a large sense. It doesn't matter which one you use. Same thing with glue. It doesn't really matter with what you use. But what I found by taking a deeper dive is like each one has a little bit of a characteristic that edges out the other. And so I use that in decision making and I end up having a lot more successful prints. I end up having a lot more successful builds that hold up over time. And so it's been worth taking that little bit of extra time to learn the polymer names, learn best practices, learn the tips and tricks. One of my favorite glue accessories is I've got these three, two, one blocks there are these little hunks of steel, little bricks of steel that are in the dimensions of three inches by two inches by one inch. And I found them like, it's amazing how often I'm reaching for these things. Because when I first read this tip, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But they're for machinists to set up their machines for doing machining operations and like sure. clamping stuff. But as soon as I bought them, I like, they're so great for holding things down, for filling gaps where you're clamping things. And so uh, what I've realized is like everybody has that set of books in their house that they know are heavy and can hold things down. So when you're gluing stuff, you reach for that set of books and you press it down, and you hold it down. You're like, that's great. I can use that. But with, with these are just one of those re- ready made things that are right off. And they've got little uh, threaded screws so that you can bolt them together for even more clamping force. So having like those accessories gives you a higher. I mean. That's one of the things I like. Uh, so in my my office area, I've built up like a little construction area and I've got like everything kind of within reach. And by having kind of the right tool for the job, you end up, again, having a lot more fun. It's like far fewer tears at the end of the day, far less swearing. That's amazing. <laughs> ah, I love this so much. OK, last question. Uh-huh. What do you wish people knew about glue? <laughs> I don't know as it's incredibly misunderstood, but I think it's overlooked because a lot of people will say oh this glue doesn't work well and it probably doesn't in the case that they're trying to use so Mm -hmm. i would just say read the instructions because most glues come with far far more detail than you want to read but if you at least take a a quick scan through that instruction you'll really set yourself up for success james this has been so fun (laughs) thank you for sharing your nerd with me oh absolutely it's always fun having somebody who like is interested like Sometimes you get pent up with these things where you're like, oh, nobody wants to hear about this. So you send out these bite-sized parcels. Have have a session where we take a half hour to talk with clues. This is fantastic. Oh, it makes my heart so happy. So here we are. This was seriously such a fun conversation to have with James. And now I feel so much smarter going into the world, knowing what to look for with glues and adhesives. Even in the process of editing this podcast, I caught myself smiling. James's enthusiasm is infectious. And ah, James, I'm so glad you shared your nerd with us. Thank you so much. All right, I've got to know. What's one of your flavors of nerd? And how does that show up for you? This is, you know, mm -hmm, that part of the show where I ask you to email me at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com and tell me all about how you nerd out. And if you want to just talk to me on Facebook or Instagram, you can do that too. I just don't check it very often. And if you're looking to go one step further and financially support what I'm doing with the podcast, head on over to patreon.com. Search for Here We Are The Podcast and sign up for one of the many quirky support tiers. 
And you could even watch the video versions of these interviews, which is so much fun because I just get really excited and you would get to see my face when I get excited. Anyway, until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Bye.